Welcome to On the Job with Porak, your go-to place for public safety and officer rights, giving you the news you need to know and discussing the issues that matter. Hi, and welcome to On the Job with Porak. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porak. With me today is Porak Vice President Damon Kurtz. Today on the show, we have Rick Lebeski of California Association of Highway Patrolmen and Chief Ron Lawrence of the California Police Chiefs Association. We're sitting down today here at Porak headquarters to clarify information regarding AB 392 and the implementation of post-training regarding SB 230. Well, thank you for all being here. Thank you. Appreciate it. I know uh, the last time we met, uh, we had a pretty vigorous discussion uh, on AB 392 and obviously our, our bill, SB 230. Uh, both of them have uh, cleared all of the hurdles and have been signed by the governor. I know there was some uh, panic after AB 392 was signed and SB 230 wasn't, uh, but I think everybody in this room knew that uh, SB 230 was eventually going to be signed. Not on the timeline that we wanted, but the reality is, is that the governor uh, continued to work with us on a collaborative nature and SB 230 was was eventually signed. Both will be implemented, I believe, in January of uh, 2020. So the big question we're hearing from a lot of our members and around the state is the what exactly is 392 going to do? It's amazing, and I'm sure we've all read the articles um, that people think uh, AB 392 completely changed the standard on use of force. Um, but I think there's been some really good opinion pieces out there that basically have said that uh, we've somewhat codified uh, Graham v. Connor. And I think the big discussion has been uh, necessary versus reasonable. Um, and I think if you read the bill, if you actually read the bill, uh, you'll notice that uh, the standard is the same. Um, what are you hearing from the chiefs? Are there any questions uh, on that, chief? Yeah, it was confusing at first. I think that the confusing part comes into the the misunderstanding of the political process. And as you know, PORAC and CHP and Cal Chiefs and our entire coalition worked hard for a year and a half to work on this issue. And uh, AB 392, we fought long and hard to get some good amendments and get that bill changed because in its first iteration, we all know that was not good. But at the end of the day, what we got were amendments that really codified Graham v. Connor and made AB 392 actually a, a bill that we could live with that won't harm our peace officers and, and make our communities less safe. So I think the misunderstanding piece is that it pivoted and the political process worked because we remained at the table, we continued to negotiate, and we continue to get our amendments put into this bill, which we were successful at doing. Yeah, and I definitely want to thank uh, President Pro Tem Tony Adkins for keeping everybody at the table because, uh, you know, for a while we had to step away and, um, you know, sort of go back to our groups and then come back, regroup and come back to the table. But, you know, she made sure that all of us stayed at the table. All of us continued to have that conversation uh, because this is such an important law. And, you know, the changes that they were being proposed would have dramatically changed our profession here in the state of California. So uh, big shout out to her um, and making sure that we did come together and, and have that uh, discussion to where we eventually are. So I really think um, you know, the work that was done, the collaborative nature with, uh, you know, the chiefs of police, CHP, PORAC, and the larger coalition of uh, police unions throughout the state of California. Uh, I think we did a fantastic job uh, working together and and not only elevated our profession, but I think we're going to, you know, really, you know, bridge that gap with the community and, and some of the changes that they're looking for. 
What do you think? Yeah, I, I def- definitely agree. Uh, you know, I think uh, the process of 392 was uh, very challenging, obviously, for us. But in the end, it's not going to severely impact or won't really won't uh, impact the daily operations of, of our officers on, in their everyday patrol. Um, but, you know, it would have if it came out in its original form. And we were able to mitigate that. And then, like you said, cod- codify uh, Graham v. Connor. And, you know, it was kind of brought forward on the, under the offices that um, deadly force is not our last resort, and it always is. Um, no one wants to use deadly force, and and that's our that's always been our our last resort. But um, having the ability to, to codify Graham v. Connor, so that when we look at you know only do it when it's when it's necessary. Well, absolutely, that's always been the standard. But what does necessary mean, and what a reasonable officer would do in the same situation? And that's important for us, and we were able to protect that. Yeah, I agree with you on that, and I think it's important that uh, you know. I think the Supreme Court justices actually got Graham v. Connor 100% right, and all nine of them actually uh, supported that opinion because trying to judge an officer uh, with hindsight is so unfair based on the circumstances, the uh, the dynamics involved in use of force. It's easy for f- people to sit around a table and go, well, you know, the officer should have did X, Y, and Z uh, because they're at the safety of their desk. Uh, they get the, you know, they get the ability to analyze everything that was involved in the incident were a lot of these use of force incidents, um, you know, there's only very limited sliver of information presented to the officer and they're having to make a determination uh, one way or the other. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, people have had an opportunity to, uh, to, to actually read the bill. Uh, there's some really good analysis. Uh, Missio Lynn, uh, from Southern California. She wrote a fantastic piece. Uh, I think it was one of the online law enforcement publications. Uh, there was an attorney for LexisNexis, uh, Bill Prate, I think is his name. He did a wonderful job and he actually went line by line uh, analysis on that. Uh, we sent that out to our membership. Hopefully uh, you were able to uh, take a look at that and review that. And I know uh, we're working collaboratively with Post uh, to put out additional information on that. Well, let's move on to uh, SB 230. Uh, that's that's obviously our bill and it's a training bill and we think that um, obviously was the avenue uh, best suited for uh, mitigating use of force incidents. And I guess what's really good here is, is, you know, we have Chief Lawrence here to be able to talk about from a management's perspective, uh, how that will be able to uh, to benefit your agency up here in Northern California and probably throughout the state as a manager of, of police officers. Yeah, I can tell you, representing the Police Chiefs Association, there's 334 police chiefs in California that are uh, keenly aware of what needs to happen and, and paying attention to our, our relationship with post. We also know and have to recognize that our police officers, our deputies already get a robust amount of use of force training, even before SB 230. Our peace officers in California are extremely well trained. They have a lot of great training already. This is going to add to that and make us even better with the design of, of reducing use of force. But what's what's particularly exciting about it is that it's going to con- make consistent policy throughout California where we haven't had it before. So our use of force policies in California will be consistent. When we have officers lateraling from one agency to another, uh, those same pillars should be existing in each policy, regardless of what agency they work for. And that's that by and of itself is going to make it even better. Uh, but 
SP 230 is going to really put the focus on de-escalation, uh, verbal tactics. Uh, as uh, Damon mentioned, nobody wants to use deadly force or use of force. Our officers, I know, having done this for 30 years, peace officers just want to go out there and help their communities stay safe. They don't want to use force. Nobody wants to use force. Uh, and it, unfortunately, they're put in situations where they have somebody resisting or somebody attacking them or somebody attacking somebody in our community, and they have to take action to strategically uh, keep people safe and, and protect themselves. And we need to give them the right tools and training to do just that. We just came from Chicago at the International Association Chiefs of Police, where they had all kinds of great exhibits uh, for uh, use of force, de-escalation tactics, uh, virtual reality, and some simulators. And it's just where the future is going to take us, California will lead the way. Absolutely. And uh, you're right. I mean, the IECP conference uh, and that exhibit hall had uh, some phenomenal, uh, not only the uh, the use of force uh, simulators, but uh, I mean, the new technology, and I'm sure you stopped by the Dubai police uh, stand where they've got a hovercraft or a hover motorcycle. I mean, it's just uh, what a what an advancement in technology for law enforcement. And I think SB 230 is just keeping up with what's going on in our profession. I mean, Rick and, and everybody else here, I think, you know, we're always trying to strive to improve our profession. And I think this is just a direction in the right right way. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Brian. And, and like we've talked about, as we know, throughout the entire process uh, with AB 392 and 230, our goal uh, all along has been, and it remains to keep our communities as well as our peace officers safe. What we're hoping to see out of this is, um, like the chief said, more realistic training, uh, more um, simulators uh, geared towards mental illness, uh, the homeless problem that we're facing here in California, as well as, uh, like the chief said, de-escalation. Um, at the end of the day, Damon's right. No Nobody wants to use force, but at the same time, we have to be focused on keeping our officers uh, safe as well um, in my in line with the keeping the community safe. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, your officers are in a unique position. I mean, I don't, I don't even know how many you probably make the most contacts in the entire state uh, for law enforcement officers. So your officers are dealing with so much unknown on that traffic stop where, um, you know, hopefully with a lot, with SB 230 and the additional training that we're going to get, hopefully that, like you said, makes them a much safer and a better contact. Absolutely. So um, I think with SB 230 and the uh, the base minimum standard that we're going to see throughout the state, uh, it'll be comforting to know that the training we get in San, San Diego is going to be the same as Fresno, same with CHP, and same with Citrus Heights or uh, in Northern California. And I think that the chief did a good job of touching on it on the, the lateral component. Officers that go from one agency to another, that there's going to be that minimum baseline of training. So where do we go from here then? Um, with this training, obviously kicking in on the, in January one of, of 2020, uh, working with uh, Post to uh, to collaboratively uh, make sure that we build a training program that we can be successful at. We don't want to create expectations too high that we can't meet them, but we don't want to be too low. Uh, you know, how do we how do we move forward as a profession now with these two bills behind us? Well, as you know, we've been working very closely with Post, the Peace Officer Standards and Training. They have been developing what this training will look like. I know that going through the task of finding out what training already exists that meets the SB 230 requirement and then what components need to be added to that. Um, we, they post put on a de-escalation summit uh, meeting, a week-long summit meeting about two weeks ago in San Diego, and it was just a whole uh, cadre of, of um, 
experts to talk about de-escalation and use of force and what it is, what it means, what's the definition of de-escalation for post standards. And so they vetted all of that out. And I know that uh, a lot of that training is going to be coming uh, here very shortly. What I think is important for police chiefs and our, our officers to understand is that this training has to have take place in short order and make sure that we get everybody adequately trained to the to the right standards. Because, uh, you know, you can change the law all you want, but what's going to happen is officers will resort to their training, their muscle memory, and that's why this is so critically important. And I appreciate what Rick said, the the realistic avenue of it, the, the, the realism needs to be there so that we can make this real and not uh, just watch, you know, some videos or something, but it's got to be hands-on real live training of uh, how to de-escalate and what that looks like. And I think, uh, you know, we're going to get there. We're going to do a lot of good things. And hopefully our uh, our electeds show some patience and, uh, you know, some pause when, because um, there's going to be incidents. They're still going to, we're still human. Um, and it's still a dangerous profession. And, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, there are bad people in this world or bad situations that end up, you know, um, in a use of force situation that we need time to make sure that we implement these trainings. We need time to make sure that they there's it's repetitive and that it does change that uh, the outcome. Hopefully that that's where it ends up. But at the end of the day, um, there, there's always going to be use of force in law enforcement. It is uh, part of the profession. It's something that we all know when we come out of the academy that it could be the first day and maybe it never happens, but um, that we're all prepared for that and the hope that it doesn't. The concern I have is that in this day and age where everything's so polarizing, do people see a way to, to uh, politically capitalize on this? You know, it's, it's kind of an ugly world, but it, it's kind of seems like that's where we're at. Let's find something that I can, you know, get the bully pulpit on and generate votes and keep my position versus really truly make an investment to make our communities safe. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned something there I, uh, I want to touch on. That's something that the Police Chiefs Association is really working at the next piece of what this is. So we've tackled AB 392 with the law. We've tackled SB 230 with the training. And now the next rollout of that will be the implementation. But we believe, the police chiefs believe, uh, that there has to be a dialogue now on how uh, people interact with the police. Because most use of force, if not all use of force, uh, ha- happen because of the behavior of the people that we're trying to detain or arrest. It's not like the officers conjured these things up. They went to a call for service or they conducted a lawful car stop and somebody resisted arrest or wanted to fight with the police. So the dialogue or the education that has to include our communities to make sure that they know how to interact with our peace officers. Um, it's not the time to debate an officer when they're on a detention. It's not the time to resist arrest. There's always avenues to complain or to uh, fight it in court, to complain with the department if they feel like their civil rights have been violated or that they, the officer was rude. There's all kinds of avenues to handle after a stop has been made. But during a stop is not the time because that's what escalates use of force. And we need to have that discussion with our communities, the behavior uh, that lead, leads up to that uh, on behalf of the, the people we're detaining. Absolutely. I know I've had some discussions with some folks and, you know, maybe it's time where the training is no longer use of force training. It's maybe a reaction, reaction to resistance training, because the reality is, uh, you know, we're not out there arbitrarily using force. Officers are reacting to the resistance that they're receiving and trying to overcome the force that's being applied to them. Um, you know, so I, I agree with you, Chief. I think now is the time that we start to have that uh, community police conversation. And, you know, how do we educate the community and give them a better understanding of why we do the things that we do and how, you know, 
compliance and and working with the officers uh, basically would minimize or actually take it to zero, uh, you know, use of force incidents in the state of California. So um, I think there's a lot of work ahead of us um, in implementing SB 230, but also moving on to what the next step is. Um, That community uh, police relations, I think, is a huge step. Uh, Starting to focus now on the homeless issues. Um, Are there ways that we as an organization can have social workers maybe be the first contact instead of us. Um, Also looking into um, mental health training and also does police have to be that first contact with somebody in a mental health crisis? That's a great point. Sometimes we're the wrong intervention. Yeah, absolutely. And and I try to tell people all the time, and Damon and I and the PORAC Executive Committee was in, uh, we're in D.C. And uh, unfortunately, there's a congressman out of California who's trying to implement uh, the first iteration of AB 392 on the federal level. And we were trying to tell the legislatures, look, we, we've done it here in California. Give it a chance to work. And I think Damon touched on it. You know, give us the Give us a little bit of time to to put this together and and start focusing and see what kind of results we get instead of just glomming on to something to say that they've made change uh, on a federal level, which will now affect all 50 states versus what's going on in California. So I think all eyes are on us. And I think it's important for us to to do the best we can to to fully implement both of these pieces of legislation that have been signed. So I'm looking forward to that and, and moving forward and having a greater conversation on a variety of other issues outside of use of force because we do so much. We do so so many good things in our community uh, that I think it's vitally important that uh, we let people know that. So I'm going to close it up there unless you have uh, Damon or Rick or the chief. Well, I'd just like to, on behalf of the Police Chiefs Association, thank Paul Rack, thank CHP and all of the uh, other uh, state sheriffs and all of our, our unions and DSAs, POAs that really came together on this because this coalition was um, really strong. And I think that when we have issues facing our profession that are of this magnitude, we're stronger standing together for what's right and doing the common sense right approach. I agree with you, Chief, on that. And I definitely want to thank uh, Senator Ana Caballero for for uh, for taking it on. SB 230 was not an easy lift. Um, and I think she knew that she was going to take a lot of hits from within her own party, uh, some of her constituency. But, uh, you know, she felt that this was right and it needed to be done. And I think as a companion bill to uh, AB 392, um, I think we're all better for it. So I want to thank her. I want to thank you and the Chiefs Police Association, the, uh, the sheriffs, CHP. Uh, all our coalition partners, uh, you know, we really did come together. And I think uh, I think we should pat ourselves on the back for the great work that we've done. So I want to thank you for being a part of working with PORAC uh, to make this happen. So thanks again. Well, I want to thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please join us on our social media platforms. Go to PORAC.org for more info. PORAC.org. Please subscribe. And if you're listening to us on iTunes or Google, please give us five stars. That helps us get noticed. We're also now uploading the podcasts on YouTube. Subscribe and be sure to tune in on our platform wherever available. Don't forget to share our podcast with other PORAC members, your family and friends. All the best and have a safe day. That's it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next time as we discuss the issues that matter. 